0: I ask you to turn open your Bibles to 1st Thessalonians chapter 5 and we're reading just a few short verses this morning uh, but I do encourage you to have the Bible open or your device on because we're going to be looking at a number of passages in the book of 1st Thessalonians uh, this morning. Our verse is 1st Thessalonians chapter 5 verses 16 through 18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Indeed this is the word of the Lord, thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, help us. Thank thank you so much for your promise to be with us this morning. Help us clear our minds, and as we just testified, thank you for speaking through your word and your spirit. Change us, O Lord, as we dwell upon your ways. Amen. Well, when Pastor Nick asked me a little over a month ago uh, to preach today, uh, well, two things, I guess. First of all, it's always a privilege and an honor to be asked. But I have to say, I probably, I wasn't really surprised. I mean, it's been a tough year. And even as of late, 1 Peter has been very, very challenging and convicting through discussion and, and thoughts about submission and suffering right it's it's been heavy hasn't it so i wasn't surprised because pastor nick knew the congregation needed old norris most upbeat peppy exuberant personality to be up here and so um well he couldn't find one so he asked me (laughs) but second of all when nick asked me to preach my mind first went, right away went to this passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Listen, I'm the last person who wants to preach the typical Thanksgiving weekend sermon. I'm a contrarian. I don't want to do what everybody else does. But I couldn't think of any verse, any passage more appropriate for Thanksgiving 2020 than rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. I've been thinking about these verses for quite a long time. They were the first verses I chose to memorize when I went to Grove City College a long time ago now. I had to memorize some verses, and they're the ones I chose to help me through my first semester. Now, to be honest and not surprising, I chose them because, boy, they're short, right? They rival Jesus' wept. But they're very helpful, aren't they? They got me through as I thought about them regularly. And these are the kind of passages that people have etched in wood carvings or splashed upon a canvas. They put up on your entryway in your home or at your office to give you that kind of motivational thought for the day. I love this passage. It's a great passage, isn't it? But to be honest with you, I don't really buy into it. I don't. I mean, sure, rejoicing, praying, giving thanks are all really good things to do. And I try to do them, but I really don't buy into those words, always, without ceasing, in all circumstances. Yes, I I tell you, I believe them. But when you look at the practices of my life, my posture, my heart, those things testify. I don't really believe this wonderful brief passage this morning. And my hunch is that I'm not the only one here today. I've been talking to a number of you over the last months, and it's hard, isn't it? How many people have told me the COVID rut that they're in, it's hard to be joyful, it's hard to give thanks. We struggle to grasp not the meaning, but the application of these wonderfully convicting verses. Now, this morning, I'm not going to go through each verse and unpack the meaning. I think for the most of for most of us, the meaning's quite clear, isn't it? I mean, rejoice is to exalt or to take overt and explicit pleasure in God. Prayer, in verse 17, is simply to bring our requests before the Lord, to make known what we need of Him. And giving thanks is just simply to express appreciation to God. The meaning is clear, isn't it? The application, the execution, that's hard, really hard. But why? Why aren't I always taking joy and exalting? Why aren't I praying all the time? And why don't I give thanks in all the circumstances of my life. I I thought long and hard about that this week. I talked to lots of people to try to come up with reasons why I don't live out these verses, and here's some of the justifications I came up with. There is the intellectual justification, why I'm not always joyful and thankful. The intellectual justification is I actually don't really believe what Paul is talking about. I mean, in every situation, I mean, surely Paul here is using a bit of rhetoric when he says always. He doesn't really mean always. And in every circumstance, he doesn't mean every single circumstance. He's overstating his case just to make us a bit more happy and to get more positivity going, isn't he? Well, then there's the pride justification. Deep down, I'm not grateful because I don't believe I owe anything to anybody because I have everything I deserve. I've earned it. I've worked hard for it. That's a dangerous, dangerous one. Then there's the if-only justification. I don't believe I should be thankful and grateful and joyful because, well, if only I had this, or if only this wasn't going on in my life, then then I would be more grateful. Then I'd be more joyful, if only. Then there's the uh, cockeyed optimist justification right I don't want to be that guy you know you you know this guy at work his health is failing he just lost a loved one you say hey how's it going Frank oh great things are great I don't want to be that guy so I'm not going to be joyful I don't want to be like him and then there's the motivational justification I don't actually believe I can do these things I mean life is hard Many of us have gone through so much this year, and and I know even despite COVID, many of you have had major significant struggles in your life. Sure, I may believe I can't, but I I believe these things, but I just can't do it. I don't believe I can actually do it, that I'm able to. And then there's the theological justification. I'm not actually sure how to do it. I mean, do I believe I need to thank God for, say, COVID? Do I, need to be, do I believe I need to thank God for someone I love getting cancer? Or maybe even the more mundane things in life, the day-to-day monotony of life. Do I thank God for those things? I don't believe it. In short, the problem I have, and maybe some of us have this morning, is I don't really believe Paul here. We don't believe we should be or are able to live out these straightforward, simple commands here in First Thessalonians. And so what this means is simply we need to work on our beliefs this morning. Our deep down, deep seated convictions about what you know and what you believe. See, you won't be joyful or thankful or pray continually if you don't believe you should or are able to. In other words, to deal with a joy problem or a prayer problem or a Thanksgiving problem is to deal with a belief problem. And once you deal with your beliefs, then your affections and your actions will flow on from there. So let's work on our beliefs just for a moment there this morning by trying to tease into just two simple questions Why should I be joyful and grateful? And how am I able to do such a thing? Okay? So let's f- start with why should I be joyful always and give thanks in all circumstances. Well, the first reason is right there in verse 18. Did you see it? This is the will of God for you. God's expressed, clearly stated will for you is to be joyful always, to pray regularly, and to give thanks in all circumstances. That's a strong statement, isn't it? And it's not the first time Paul uses that direct statement in First Thessalonians. Flip back over to chapter three. I'm sorry, chapter four, verse three. And you see the heading there. At ESV gives a life pleasing to God, and we see this phrase here, chapter four, verse three: "For this is the will of God for you, your sanctification." And he goes on to talk about moral ethics, sexual ethics, loving your brothers and sisters how to live with others, really important stuff that we rightfully should stand to attention and say, this is important, this is God's will that I honor him in these ways. That's listed there in chapter four. But why is it then we get to chapter five and we see the will of God here and we think, oh, those are just nice positive thoughts to think about. Right? Lots of people over the years have come to me and asked the question, Pastor, I, I really want to know God's will for me. I want to know if I should take a new job. I want to know if we should move. I want to know uh, what God has in store for me. I mean, I read the Bible, but I don't, I want to know what specifically he has for me. Your answer is right here, isn't it? This is the will of God for you. Often I'll say, and I'll say it much more pastoral than this, But when you figured out how to always be joyful and always give thanks and always pray and you've got this express specific will of God for you figured out and down, then come back and we'll think through these other things. But until then, I'd suggest to you those questions aren't near as important as this will of God for you. Again, these aren't just nice quaint sayings you hang up on the wall. This is a command from the Lord. I talked to someone this week, a friend, and said, she said, I often think when I hear these passages that I don't think these things are as critical as other things, and so I don't take them as seriously. No, this is the will of God for us. Why should I be joyful always and give thanks in all circumstances? Because God says so. This is the will of God for you. Well, why else? Well, Paul is writing to a group of people who are going through a lot as well. The Thessalonians, you see back in chapter 1, verse 6, they received Paul's word, the gospel message, in much affliction. And that's why he was so joyful that they received it. Because by receiving it, they were going to be persecuted. And then in chapter 3, Paul talks about how much he knew they were being persecuted and he just couldn't stand it being away from them. And so he sent his beloved Timothy to say, go find out how they're doing because I know they are suffering for their faith. How are they doing in this great affliction? They're going through it as well. And yet, weaving in through this entire short, wonderful letter, Paul reminds them to look back at what God is doing to generate this joy and gratefulness. And as I read through these few verses, and talk about why they, looking back, should be joyful and grateful, I'm going to say that I think all these things apply to you and me as well. Chapter 2, verse 13, Paul says, When he came and spoke to them, they received his word, not as a word from man, but as a word from the Lord. Friends, millions of people today see, know this book, but don't believe it's from God. Millions of people hear these words, but don't really believe them. Thank God you do. Be grateful that you have eyes to see and ears to hear that this is God's word for us that gives us great hope. Chapter three, verse 13, Paul says that their hearts are being established as blameless before the Lord. And the same is for us. (laughs) We look back at what Jesus has done on the cross and we know that God through that act is establishing our hearts, has established our hearts as blameless before him. And in chapter 4, verse 9, Paul talks about God's work in and through them, that they are actually honoring God by how they live. God is at work at them. Be grateful. Be joyful. God is with you. Paul was writing to a community, dare I say this, but I probably will, that is going through probably a worse year than you are. And yet, he still says, be joyful always. Pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Looking back at what God has done for you should generate that joy. But not only looking back, also look forward. Look forward, Paul says. The context of this uh, little passage here is in chapters four and five of 1 Thessalonians, which is all about the coming and the return of the Lord which should give us every reason to be joyful and to be thankful. Chapter four, verse six, Paul says, listen, don't worry about all the harms being done to you. God will avenge sins. God will avenge wrongdoing. So flee those wrongdoings and trust that he will do so. Chapter four, verse 13 and 14, Paul says, don't worry, death of that loved one you are watching right there is not the final thing, not the final act. Those who fall asleep in the Lord have hope in the Lord and you will be reunited one day. Look forward to that day. Chapter five, verse nine, Paul says that our destiny is not that of wrath, but of salvation. Look forward to that day, the day of salvation. And then in chapter 5, verses 23 and 24, the God who will come to avenge all sins of an impure heart and lifestyle, well, he'll keep you and he'll make you blameless. So instead of wrath, you have salvation. Instead of judgment, you have eternal bliss and glory. And he will surely do it. Look forward to that day. Rejoice always. Why? Because when we look back and we look forward, there's so much to be joyful about. And this actually really crosses Zach over, even though we've taken a little pause in First Peter, what Peter's been saying so much throughout First Peter. In fact, I think it's worth pausing at this moment, turning, well actually it'll be up here on the screen, turning to 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 3 onward. I'm going to read a, a slightly extended passage here because I think Peter, in these verses give us an answer of why and how we're able to be joyful and thankful in all circumstances. He sums it up so well that we can't help but dwell on it once more from what Pastor Nick preached to us a few months ago. First Peter chapter one, verse three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in the praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, you believe in him and rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Peter gives us the why and the how. (laughs) We have a new hope one that won't fade. And even the hardships we're going through now, they only serve that greater future glory to amplify it even more and refine you now for that day. And thus we can be filled, as he said, with inexpressible joy. Rejoice always. Give thanks in all circumstances because as you look back and as you look forward, there is so much to be thankful for even now. I think it's a bit analogous to the issue that we have with busyness and our time problem, right? We walk around always saying to ourselves and others, I'm too busy. I don't have time to get these really important things. I'm just so busy. I can't get to these things. Well, what so many of us have heard, this adage now, that when we hear it, it convicts us deep down because we know it's true. And that adage is this, we make time for the things that are really important for us and to us, don't we? They used to say, if you want to judge uh, what person va- someone values in their life, look at their, their checkbook or their credit card statement. And maybe we would add to that, you look also at their calendar or what they've accomplished for the day. You make time for the things that you value. Well, I think that's similar to our joy in Thanksgiving. We take joy and thanksgiving, we take the joy and, let me say it this way, we're driven to joy and thanksgiving by the circumstances in our life that are really important for us, don't we? And I've just listed a bunch of circumstances that apply to you and me, both past, present, and future, that should overwhelm us and overshadow any temporary trials we're going through. We'll be joyful about the things that really matter to us, won't we? Okay, I'm hoping that at least starting to convict, convict you and convince you from God's word that why we should be thankful and joyful always. Then the other question is, how can we be so? How are we able to do so? And the first thing I'll say is maybe strip back a, um, an idea that maybe gets in the way from you trying to work on this joy and thanksgiving in your life is to say it this way. You don't need to be naive and see the world with rose-colored glasses. Life is hard. Circumstances are hard. You don't need to deny that. In fact, you own them and subsume them into a greater thing that's going on in your life. And Paul says this back in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. He says, it's very fine and good to grieve. It's okay. You've lost a loved one. And Paul's point there, I think, applies to everything in life. It's okay to say life is hard. It's okay to confess things aren't what it's meant to be. Why? Praise God, because you have a value system and a worldview that can accommodate and deal with struggles and trials. You don't have to deny them. We know that struggles and trials in all circumstances in life are just part of life under the sun. If you don't know that, go back and listen to the Ecclesiastes series from this last summer. We expect frustration. We expect things not to go our way. We expect struggles. We expect life to be confusing and not make sense. But our worldview says, while we expect that, that doesn't define who we are. Our struggles don't mean that God doesn't love us. Our hardships don't define us. And in fact, as Peter says, and many of the writers in the New Testament say, they actually strengthen us, challenge us, build us up with a great character of endurance. You know that every single circumstance goes to strengthen the good God has for you to become more like Jesus Christ. Now, I don't have the time and and unable to articulate, and I don't even think we should try to say why every single thing is happening to you. It's not healthy to try to examine that and figure that out. But as a whole, we know that they're helping us. I'm just going to refer to you to Pastor Nick's sermon from last week on 1 Peter 4 to talk about the role of suffering in our life. But what I want to make the point here is know that you don't have to deny that life is hard. You own it. And work it into this worldview that God has given you in his scriptures to say, I can still be joyful. I can still take thanks. Paul does this in Philippians, doesn't he? He was put in jail. He was planting churches all around countryside and he was put in jail. You would think, man, if, he could only, if only he could get out, more good could happen. But Paul says to the Philippians, the, the letter of joy, people say, I know what's happened to me really has done well to advance the gospel. I know it. I believe it. You're able to give thanks in all circumstances because you know the story. You know the author of the story personally. You know the ending. You know where it's all going. You're able to do that. And the second kind of how-to I want to leave with you today about how we're able to, give, to be joyful always and give thanks in all circumstances is I just want to say you need to talk to yourself more. Not the person in the office who's always talking to himself or herself and you're are you talking to me? No, 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 not that. I don't mean it like that. And I'm not talking about the power of positive thinking. You know, just I'm going to think good thoughts and block out those bad thoughts. You no, know, living And always rejoicing, always thanksgiving lifestyle is best done in the reality in life, not in the denial of life circumstances. And here's how you can make it happen. I was turned on to this by an author named Tim Chester in a great little book called You Can Change. And he says that we all need to be preachers. Psalm 103, 2 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. To whom is David speaking there? Himself. Chester goes on to quote Martin Lloyd-Jones with this great quote that you've heard up here a number of times but worth repeating. Lloyd-Jones says in his book, Spiritual Depression, have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you're listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Are you listening to yourself? Maybe make all those types of justifications that I listed earlier that I do or are you talking to yourself like David speaking the truth of the word of God to yourself regularly brothers and sisters I want you to be a preacher <laughs> that doesn't mean you come up here but it does mean that every day you are preaching to yourself see in the midst of severe persecution of their faith Paul wasn't being trite when he said these few short verses to the Thessalonians. He's telling them to be joyful and to be thankful always is an exercise and habit of the mind, an expression of the faith. It takes active work to apply yourself, just like if you were trying to give up the sins of gossip or pornography or any other of the sins that beset us. It's the active application of our mind to be intentional to say, I'm going to be joyful and thankful, not as a cockeyed optimist, But as a realistic Christian who's observing the world, because I know what God has done, is doing, and will do. And you can do this by talking to yourself more. Colossians 3 2 says, Set your mind on things above, where Christ is. And when you set your mind on things above, then you tell yourself those things. You're able to be joyful always when you become a preacher and talk to yourself, God's truth, regularly. You wake up every day and commit to preach to yourself then and all day. Preach the gospel to yourself every day. Tell yourself who you are, who you are in Christ, and if you're preaching the biblical gospel, you can't help but be overwhelmed with joy and gratefulness. Putting this all together, I I found an example I remember from my church history class. There was a man, actually the first account of a martyrdom outside the New Testament we had is a man named Polycarp. You don't forget that name, Polycarp. A martyr is just someone who has been murdered because of the faith. And there's an account in about 160 AD of Polycarp's uh, trial and execution And write that down, look it up sometime, because it's a fantastic story. It's an amazing story. Polycarp was 86 years old. He was a bishop in Smyrna. And the Roman government at that time decided to say, you know what? You're a threat to our government. We're going to put you to death. And so Polycarp says, fine, put me to death. And I I have to you just a short prayer. He said, as the wood was being stacked around him and they're ready to light the flames for his torturous execution, Polycarp prayed this prayer as his last words, putting together everything I think we've said about being grateful and joyful and rejoicing in the Lord. Polycarp said this as he was about to die. O Lord God Almighty, the Father of your beloved and blessed Son, Jesus Christ, I give you thanks that you count me worthy to be numbered among the martyrs, sharing the cup of Christ and the resurrection to eternal life, both of the soul and the body through the immortality of the Holy Spirit. May I be received this day as an acceptable sacrifice as you, the true God, have predestined, revealed to me and now fulfilled. I praise you for all these things. I bless and glorify you along with the everlasting Jesus Christ, your beloved son. To you with him through the Holy Ghost be glory now and forever, amen. Rejoice always, give thanks in all circumstances. Well, I have a few practical takeaways Of this, to try to work it into your own life. Indeed, I'm trying as well. The first one is simply pray. We didn't talk about that middle verse there because this is more of a topical sermon on joy and thanksgiving, but that middle verse there, verse 17, talks about prayer and prayer is the glue that binds this together. Think about Paul, what he says in Philippians 4, that famous verse about prayer. If you're anxious about anything, what do you do? You Present your anxieties, your petitions to the Lord. The Lord doesn't guarantee he will change your situation. What does he guarantee? He says the peace of God will guard your hearts and giving you an understanding beyond what anybody can comprehend. Pray without ceasing. No doubt Paul puts that in between these joy and thanksgiving commands because he knows that is the fuel for joy and thanksgiving, prayer. And when it says there pray without ceasing, um, we can't go long into this, but one thing I'll say is to unlock prayers from your morning routine. Oftentimes I would just sit there and if, or I would get up in the morning and maybe running late and like, oh, I didn't get my prayer in. Well, I'll have to do it tomorrow morning. Nope, you can pray anytime, all the time. God welcomes his prayers. Approach the throne room with confidence. There was a book by a man named Paul Miller. It's called A Praying Life. Write that down and read that book. That was tremendously helpful. A praying life where he says you can pray when you're driving, you're praying when you're talking with someone. Prayer is for all day at any time. How do we be more joyful? How do we give thanks in all circumstances? We pray and ask God to help us. Second thing we do is we sing. If anyone is happy in the Lord, he sings praises to the Lord. And this is why we sing so much in church. And this is why we should be singing people. And I'm gonna talk to you and say this directly to men, sing, it's not manly not to sing. Sorry for the double negative. Be a man and sing. It's a great thing to do because it's one of the most profoundly Christian things you can do. Because it expresses your joy and it's an iterative process. The more you sing praises to God, the more your mind and heart is teaching you how to rejoice in the Lord. Sing and you'll be more joyful. Be joyful and you'll sing. Pray, sing. Thirdly, memorize. I think before you get home you can have First Thessalonians fifteen or five, sixteen through eighteen memorized. I guarantee it, if you try. And this will help you with the self talk, right? I can't tell you how many times these last few weeks, thinking about this verse, I'm in the middle of griping, grumbling, complaining, like the the Israelites going out of Egypt, and I stopped And I thought, I am preaching on being joyful always. It's a pebble in your shoe that every time you step, having this verse and many other verses memorized will help you with that talking to yourself, preaching to yourself. Pray, sing, memorize. And the fourth thing would be to surround. Don't put off the people who you think are those cockeyed optimists. Brothers and sisters in Christ who are positive and joyful, really important for you to be around those people. Now, is that suggesting then you shouldn't be around people like me? Maybe, but that's for another day. Surround yourself with people who talk themselves in a joyful and grateful way, and it will rub off on you. And then finally, look. Look forward, as Paul reminds us. Look forward to the coming of the Lord. It's the only thing on the horizon I can guarantee that will happen that is good and well. I can't guarantee things will get better for any of us in the immediate future or in the next five years. But we can stand here with the word from the Lord and guarantee that it will be well with your soul. Look to Christ. Look to the future. Should you be joyful and give thanks in all circumstances? Yes. Are you able to do so? Yes. As we conclude, I have some words for the Lord for you. Rejoice always. Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory, honor, and power. For you created all things, and by your will they created and have their being. Pray without ceasing. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in all circumstances. The psalmist says it's good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night. This is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your instruction is deep within me. Let's pray. Father, we need your help. We want to be people who regularly sing your praises and rejoice unto your name and give thanks to you, even especially when things are hard because we know you are forming us for that wonderful day where we fully will appreciate who you are. Forgive us of the times we are so lax in applying our minds and our beliefs to a passage like this and change us by your spirit to be dogged and applying these things to be joyful, to pray, and to give thanks in all circumstances. Lord, we're grateful that you command us to do such wonderful things. In your son's name we pray these things. Amen.